I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. And the voice I hear falling on my ear, the Son of God discloses. And he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. He speaks and the sound of his voice is so sweet, the birds hush their singing. And the melody that he gave to me within my heart is ringing. And he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own and the joy we share as we tarry there none other has ever known I'd stay in the garden with him though the night around me be falling but he bids me go through the voice of woe his voice to me is calling and he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me i am his own and the joy we share as we tarry there none other has ever Grace and peace, and welcome to Cokesbury United Methodist Church here in Woodbridge, Virginia. My name is Taylor Mertens. I serve as the pastor here. Happy Easter! Now, before you change to think that maybe you're looking at the wrong video, no, today is still Easter. For, for the church, we celebrate Easter Tide. Easter isn't just one day, it's a whole season. It's the 50 days after Easter between between last Sunday and Pentecost Sunday. So you're going to hear me every week saying happy Easter because we're living in the light of the resurrection for he is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Uh, we are starting a new sermon series today, perfectly called Life After Easter, in which every week we're going to be looking at the disciples and what happens with them on the other side of Easter, on the other side of resurrection, and how Jesus empowers them to begin the work of, of ministry in the world. Uh, we're looking at that to think about what our sort of responsibility is now, what we do in terms of the work of the kingdom uh, here on the other side of Easter. Uh, I, I hope that you've been able to celebrate since last Sunday during Eastertide. It's important for us to think about ways we can celebrate every Sunday during this period. Last Sunday, I encouraged everyone who came either online or in our drive-in service to, to go home and find your favorite song and play it really loud and crank it up to 11. Uh, 
I encourage you to do that again today if you feel so inclined. Uh, find a way to celebrate. Some people, they celebrate by dancing. If it's a song that makes you dance, go for that. Some people love to celebrate by making a really, really good meal. I also encourage you to maybe do that. Think of ways that you like to celebrate and find a way to do that today and every Sunday from now until Pentecost. I also want to share that uh, we're continuing to offer online worship, but with the rate of vaccines being distributed in our local community, plus the rate of, uh, of um, percent positivity going down, we're looking into the possibility of reopening for worship sometime in May. Uh, so if you've been vaccinated or you're about to be vaccinated or you would like to help volunteer for what in-person worship look, looks like, uh, please send me an email, send the church an email, cokesburyumc at gmail.com. The only way we're going to be able to have in-person worship is in-person worship is with a team of dedicated volunteers uh, to check temperatures, to make sure people are wearing their masks, uh, that we're all staying socially distant, all that good stuff. So if you're interested and available to help volunteer, please send an email so we can put that team together and start making plans for limited in-person worship. Now, no matter what, we're going to continue to offer online worship, particularly because some of you don't live locally, and it's important for you to be able to continue to worship with us. So with all of that, I also, one last thing, there is an online bulletin that you can find in the video description. It will contain our hymn, scripture, and prayers. I commend that to you if it is at all helpful. Now, with that, let us just take a moment to center ourselves silently, and perhaps close our eyes so we can hear what the Spirit has to say to us today. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful, wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Let us pray. Lord, you know who we are. People with good and bad consciences, satisfied and dissatisfied, sure and unsure people, Christians out of conviction, Christians out of habit, believers, half-believers, and unbelievers. Lord, you know where we come from, our circle of relatives, friends, acquaintances, or from great loneliness. You know, we come from lives of easy leisure or from distress, from wonderful, fine, or even destroyed family relationships, from the inner circle or from the fringes of the community we call church. But now we all gather before you. In all of our inequality, we are equal in this that we are in the wrong before you and among one another, that we all must die someday, and that we would all be lost without your grace and your mercy and your forgiveness, but also in that your grace is promised to all of us through your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. So speak your word to us today, Lord, for we, your servants, are listening. And with that, O oh Lord, each of us will now lift up to you in prayer, whether silently or aloud, our own joys and our concerns this day. And now, Lord, as you taught us to pray, we pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our scripture reading today comes from John chapter 20, 19 through 23. So hear now God's holy word. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and he said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them, again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Our hymn today is number 304 from the United Methodist Hymnal, Easter People, Raise Your Voices. If you're unfamiliar with the words, you can find them in our online bulletin. But now, uh, join me over on the drums as I play and sing. Sing along with me. Easter People, Raise Your Voices. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Would you please pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. He boarded the plane a well-dressed six-foot-eight, and he was hoping for an emergency exit row in which he could stretch out his already too long legs. He was a pastor and a professor of theology, and he was returning from a conference on the other side of the country, and he was just looking forward to going home. So he loaded his carry-on above his head, he sighed at his normal-sized seat, and reluctantly squeezed himself in. Now, of course, on this already too small plane, there were only two seats on each side, and a man equally as large came down the center aisle and sat down right next to the theologian pastor. The two men were rather large, and they were fumbling over one another in their seats, and conversation, as it always does on planes, began awkwardly. The second man started, so tell me, 
what do you do for a living? I'm a preacher, the man said. And just as soon as the words were out of his mouth, his seat partner declared a little too loudly, well, um, I'm not a believer. That's fine, the preacher replied. Frankly, it doesn't make much of a difference. Jesus has already gone and done it all for you, whether you like it or not. The preacher kept his mouth shut after that. He thought about catching some Zs as they made their way to cruising altitude, but the other man started talking. First, it was just the usual flying next to a stranger chit-chat, but then it turned serious. The man started talking about Vietnam. You see, he had been an infantryman. He had fought in all the awful battles, and now he tried to pretend like it never happened. The man went on and on and on, talked the entire flight from coast to coast, describing all the terrible things that he had done for his country, and how when he came back, his country didn't want him to talk about it. Eventually, he said to the preacher, I've had a terrible time living with it, living with myself. And then the preacher leaned over and he said, have you confessed all the sins that have been troubling you? What do you mean confess? He said, I, I, I ain't confessing. Sure you are. It's what you've been doing this whole flight. And I've been commanded by Jesus that whenever I hear a confession like yours to hand over the goods and speak a particular word into you. So if you have anything more burdening you, now is the time to hand it over. The man said, no, I'm, I'm done. That's, that's the lot of them. And suddenly he grabbed the preacher, grabbed him hard like he was about to fall out of the airplane. And he said, but I told you, I'm not a believer. I don't have any faith in me. And that's when the preacher unbuckled his seatbelt he stood up over the man and declared, well, that's no matter. Jesus says it's what's inside that's inside of us that's what's wrong with the world. Nobody really has faith inside of them. Faith alone saves us because it comes from outside of us, from one creature to another, and I am going to speak faith into you. Of course, the fastened seatbelt sign dinged from above, and the closest steward came over and ordered the preacher to sit down, but he ignored he ignored the command, and instead he placed his hands on the man next to him, and he said, In the name of Jesus Christ, I declare the entire forgiveness of all your sins. But you can't, you can't do that, the man whispered. Oh, yes, I did, said the preacher, and I must, and I'm going to keep doing it over and over and over again. And he did. Only with every time he forgave the man, he said it louder and louder, loud enough for the entire plane to hear, and the man became a puddle of tears and wept all over himself like a child. The steward, everybody else in the plane, they were silent, reverent even, knowing that something strange and holy was happening right before their eyes. After the plane landed, the man leaned over to the preacher and asked to be absolved one more time, as if he couldn't get enough of this news. So that preacher did it one more time, and the man started to laugh. He said, hell, if what you said is true, that's the best news I've ever heard in my life. I just can't believe it. It's too good to be true. It would take a miracle for me to believe something so crazy good. And the preacher laughed too. And he said, yep. It takes a miracle for all of us. It takes a miracle for every last one of us. 
I've told this story before from this very pulpit. It bears repeating like all good stories do because it's just so good. I mean, did you notice? The preacher didn't sit back and and merely listen to the other man. He didn't fill the voids of silence with trite drivel like, well, I feel your pain or I know what you're going through. The preacher didn't minimize the badness with talk of duty or responsibility. He didn't deflect away or even change the subject. Instead, he offered absolution. He gave the man the gospel. On the evening of the first Easter... The disciples were hiding and cowering behind locked doors in the upper room. For years, Jesus had prepared them for this most momentous occasion, and it apparently didn't make a bean's worth of difference to any of them, because they betrayed him, they abandoned him, they denied him. Consider these would-be disciples, terrified and alone. Apparently, they didn't really believe Jesus would do all that he said he would do. I mean, he only predicted his passion and resurrection three different times. He only told them parables over and over again about the upturning of the cosmos every chance he got. He only promised that this is exactly what would happen. And yet, today, whenever we think of the disciples, if we think of them at all, we usually imagine them as as the paragons of morality and and faith and, and goodness and virtue. We, we see them as those who are willing to leave it all behind to follow Jesus. But here, in this story, on the, e, uh, the evening of the first Easter, yes, they've left everything behind. They left Jesus behind just to shake in fear. The disciples, they are not the perfect Christians we often imagine them to be. They are, in fact, just like us, sinners without a hope in the world unless the hope of the world comes back from the dead. And so it's to these fools, these faithless so-called followers, that the risen Christ first appears on Easter evening. And not only does Jesus encounter them, he makes his way through locked doors to find them. He breathes on them. He commissions them to get out and to do what? Share the good news. Share words of absolution. You and me, everybody else, we are constantly and forever falling short of Jesus' hopes and expectations. Because just like those disciples, we lock our doors, we, we turn our gaze away, we put up walls of separation, and Jesus just keeps showing up. He walks through our doors, he, he redirects our attention, he topples down our walls. This story of Jesus appearing to the disciples, it falls on the second Sunday of Easter every single year if we follow the lectionary. It's like God wants to remind us over and over again, right here, just on the other side of resurrection, that Jesus ain't done with us yet, and we've got a job to do. As you know, Jesus Jesus is going to get through whatever barriers and locked doors and walls we've erected. Jesus is going to keep showing up to offer words of grace, even when we know we don't deserve him. Jesus is going to keep appearing to the sinners and the doubters and everyone in between, because that's what Jesus does. You know, the beauty of the gospel is that Jesus never shied away from sinners and doubters. Notice, neither should the church. Because even though in the church, we often ostracize those people, sinners and doubters, to the the margins of community. But Jesus does his very best work, frankly, his only work, with the kind of people who hide in the upper room. Jesus 
rewrote and re-knit the fabric of reality and then told a bunch of losers to spread the word. I don't know about you, but that gives me hope because it means that even on my worst days, Jesus is still for me. It means that even in the midst of my sins and my questions, Jesus has a word to share. It means that nothing, not life, not death, nor angels, rulers, things present, things to come, powers, nor anything else in all creation will ever be able to separate me, you, and anyone else from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. The world is going down the drain. But thankfully, we've got a Savior who works at the bottom of the drain. And he's the only one who can do anything about it. And what is the anything that our Savior does? He forgives. He forgives the abandoning, the denying, the betraying disciples. He forgives me. He forgives you. Yeah, life after Easter is made possible only by Christ's rather reckless forgiveness. It's reckless because it runs counter to how we believe the world is supposed to work, namely an eye for an eye. The problem with an eye for an eye is that it leaves everyone blind. Jesus offers an alternative. Mercy. Peace. Grace. Forgiveness. You know, whenever we read about life after Easter, those days between the empty tomb and the ascension, we tend to focus on the disciples and, and their reaction, which means we, we usually do so at the expense of sitting with the strange news that Jesus is raised from the dead only to return to the people who deserve him the least. Jesus chooses the unworthy, this unworthy group of ragtag, would-be disciples that he had been dragging around for three years as the very people through whom he would change the world. You know, on Easter, Jesus returns not to the powers that be, but to people like you and me. Notice Jesus' response to the sins of his followers, this first time he's seeing them after they've done all of their badness. He doesn't berate them. He doesn't judge them. He doesn't damn them. He offers them peace. And then he commands them to go and do the same for others. When you think about it, it's rather confounding how God keeps coming back to us. Stuck in captivity in Egypt, God shows up in a burning bush. Lost in exile, God brings the people home. Dead in your sins, God sets you free. The preacher from that airplane, Absolution, he walked through the airport with his seat partner after they had shared this experience with each other. And right before they made for an awkward goodbye, the preacher handed his card over to the man and he said, you're likely not going to believe your forgiveness tomorrow or the next day or even next week. So when you stop having faith in it, call me and I'll bear witness to you all over again. And I'm going to keep doing it until you trust it and know it to be true. And wouldn't you know, the next day the man called the preacher and he kept calling the preacher day after day just to hear the good news. In fact, he called the preacher once a day up until the day he died. And when later asked why he kept answering the phone, the preacher said, I wanted the last words he heard in this life to be the first words he would hear from Jesus in the next. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. 
and that proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Believe it or not, it's true. And Jesus is going to keep showing up to remind you. Thanks be to God. So I offer this to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. Let us pray. We thank you, Lord, that you have delivered us from the dominion of sin and death and brought us into the kingdom of your Son. And we pray that just as he found his disciples in the upper room, your Son might continue to find us where we are, forgive us of our sins, and send us on the journey that leads to life and life everlasting. Amen. God has gathered us together. God has proclaimed God's word, and now we respond to what God has said by giving of ourselves, our time, our efforts, our talents, but also with the giving of our tithes and our offerings. I encourage you to give with glad and generous hearts to God through the ministries of Cokesbury United Methodist Church. You may give online. The link for doing so is in the video description. You may give by sending a check through the mail to the church, or if you live locally, we have a drop slot by our main office doors, and you can bring your offering that way. But give. Give with glad and generous hearts that we might continue to be a church that proclaims the good news that you have been forgiven. Another way that we like to respond to what God has said and done is by affirming our faith using the Apostles' Creed. So join me now as we affirm our faith together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now I'd like to offer you this blessing and benediction. May the God of grace and glory, God of the beginning and the end, the God of life and of death and of resurrection, the God of Easter and Easter tide, help you to see, know, and believe that you've got something worth celebrating. You've got forgiveness. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. I look forward to gathering with you again next week, same time, same place. To learn more about what life looks like after Easter, keep celebrating, keep finding ways to party with the Lord. Because friends, there's no better news than what we've heard today. Go in peace. Amen, amen, and amen.